Welcome, and thank you for stopping by Biker Church, Wally, Texas. Let's go on in and see what Charlie Mullen has to teach us today. Let's go to the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight humble and full of love, Father. Father, we ask that you settle upon this place, Father. Let your spirit do its work here, Father. Father, I ask that you bless this offering we're about to take up, Father. Let it be used to do your work, Father. Further your kingdom here on earth, Father. Father, I ask that the words that you've given me tonight ring true, Father. Father, I ask that they touch lives. Father, I ask that they give people what they need, Father. And it's all this in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Somebody want to tell me what the definition of surrender is? Come on, some of y'all have had to surrender. All of us have had to surrender. When you surrender to God, you tell God, I will do whatever you ask. Sometimes that's not as easy as what we think it's going to be. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Cease resistance to an enemy or opponent and submit to their authority. I never really looked at God like an enemy, but you know what? If you're not surrendering to him, you are an enemy to him. Say amen when you get there. We're going to jump down here to about verse 4. I don't usually skip around a whole lot, but there's a whole lot of greetings and stuff in here. Philippians 4, verse 4 starts out saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Somebody say always. How hard is it to rejoice in the Lord always? But the Word tells us, right? What does it mean when the Bible tells us something twice? So let's go to the next verse. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. How are we supposed to live our lives? We just pretty, we pretty much just got a list of instructions right there. And I don't see argument. I don't see dissension. I don't see jealousy. I don't see anger. I don't see any of those things. So how, again, are we supposed to live our life? Practice what you've learned. There's a reason why you go to Bible study. There's a reason why you listen to pastors. There's a reason why you have a morning devotional. 
That's not so you can walk into Sunday school class and feel like you've got to step up on everybody there because you can memorize a few verses of Scripture. What it says do is rejoice no matter what. No matter what is going on in your life, no matter how many times you get upset a day, it says what qualities to show, and none of those are frustration. Guys, and I'm, I'll tell you right now, I'm preaching to myself. Well, you can laugh all you want to, but there's a reason I get aggravated. There's a reason why I get upset. There's a reason why I get aggravated. There's a reason why I feel, and my wife can raise her hand all she wants to, but my life is not so centered around my wife that I can't get through a day without her being able to affect whether or not I put forth God. No matter what she does in my life, it shouldn't have that much effect on me where I'm not going out being a godly man. So I can blame my wife for my aggravation all I want to, but what my aggravation and my frustration and my anger is is a complete separation from the Holy Spirit at that moment in time. If I had the Holy Spirit in me, and I was listening to what he had to say, and I was practicing what the biblical terms of my salvation are, then I know why I'm upset. I know why I'm aggravated. That's because I have let my spirit slide into a place that is not of God. And it's not hard to do, guys. Take your eye off of it for 10 seconds and see what happens. We live in a world that is designed to bombard you with hell. We live in a world, everybody says, well, how come this war seems so much worse than all the others? And we heard about so much because the media is right there. You hear about it faster than what you did in other wars. It's not that this war was any more horrific than any of the others, it's just the fact that you have direct access to it. It's not that the pornography on TV nowadays or wherever you get it is any worse than the pornography back then. It's just right in the palm of your hand now. But if you, I'm going to tell you this right here. If you can get smut on your telephone, you can also get the Bible on your telephone, and that is where your heart needs to be. I look at it this way. If the devil is going to have 24-7 access, access into my home, then God should never leave because the devil can't go where God is. That's what we're done. If you get that in your head, you can actually live life day to day. The devil cannot go where God is. So if your life and your spirit and your heart and your mind and your family and your children and your grandparents are all filled with the Holy Spirit, where can the devil not go? How do I keep the devil from attacking my family, father, pastor, friend, teacher, whoever you want to ask that question? Their answer should be, look to your spirit first. What's in here will directly affect what is out here. The devil can only roam around out here, guys. The book says that he roams around like a roaring lion. You know why he's a roaring lion and not a feasting lion? That's because my Savior died on that cross, descended into hell, and pulled his teeth, guys. 
He can't devour you. But he can sure make you go sit where it's hot for the rest of eternity. I don't want to go there. I've never been so glad in my life. Talking about not wanting to go to hell. I live in Texas in August. I know for a fact, I got a sample. I know for a fact I don't want hell for eternity. I've got to live in Texas for six months. What I'm getting at, guys, and we're fixing to get into it a little bit down here further on, it says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned. Okay, ready? I want everybody paying attention right here. Right here. I am in need because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Come on, guys. If you learn anything in here tonight, that is what I want you to leave here with. I can be content with my God in all circumstances. And how do we do that? We're fixing to learn. I know what is to be, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Here it is. Here it is. This is the one right here, one we've been looking for. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So that, what this verse right here is telling us is that we, can, we should be in all situations, we should be content because we have the Holy Spirit within us, right? So does that mean the only time that we're supposed to worry about this verse as far as doing all things? Those are those all those things are only subject to um, people hurting us or hard times, stuff like that, right? That's what we're that's what that's talking about, correct? Because Paul's talking about I see that you are ready to join in in my suffering. You've recognized my suffering. They're not talking about anything else right here, right? That's kind of like that verse that said he died for all man's sins. That's not, he's not talking about men plural. He's talking about every man out there, but he's also talking about all sin. He didn't just die for adultery. He didn't just die for one of the 50,000 other different things. He died for every bit of it, folks. So if he died so that you can be free from that, when he says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength, that means when you don't think you have enough strength to go witness to people, that means I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That means I can witness because he strengthens me. That means I can pray for people because he strengthens me. That means I can go recite the word of God to people who don't know it because he who is in me gives me strength to do it. It's not just about adversity. It's not just about hard times. That's the problem. That's the, the, the modern church today has taught us that God is there whenever we reach out to him and cry out to him, God will answer your prayers. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm saying, but when you need prayer, it's not the only time you need to learn how to reach out to God. When you want something, you need to learn how to reach out to God. When you need something you need to learn how to reach out to God when you got something you need to learn how to reach out to God when you gave something you need to learn how to reach out to God am I getting a point across here that everything you do in this life you should reach out to God first 
I tell people, if you want to know something from me, then ask me. Don't call my wife. I'm telling you right now, if you want to make a decision, check with God first. If you want to change things about your life, check with God first. If you want to make a donation to the church, check with God first. If you want to go and start something else and start another Bible study, then check with God first. If you want to go to the hospital and pray for people, check with God first. That way you get charged up. God first. God first. That should be your mantra every morning when you wake up. God first. God first. God first. Instead of looking at your wife saying, breakfast, 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 holler God first, God first, God first. Then you might have enough guts to ask your wife where your breakfast is. I need for you to understand that. Because picking up the phone and calling your pastors and asking them, hey man, what do you think about me going out to the barbecue on Ballard and talking about Jesus. Man, why would you even have to call me to ask me that? Why would you have to pick up the phone and call JR? Maybe to invite him, maybe to invite me, but you ain't got to have my permission to go talk about Jesus. You ain't got to check with man first before you start going doing God's work. Start doing it. And if somebody gets upset about it, chunk a Bible at them because you got your marching orders. Do you love him? I ask a question. Do you love him? Yes. Then feed his sheep. Do you love him? Yes. Feed his sheep. Do you really, really love him? Yes. Then feed his sheep. The only reason he did that three times is because he got denied three times. I would have liked for a Peter to look at him like he was getting aggravated and heard what Jesus had to say. You can get aggravated at me for asking you three times? All you have to do is just like that song said a while ago, I surrender. Finally admit the fact that no matter how much power you have up here, that no matter how independent you are, that no matter how good at everything you think you are, I'm going to tell you like my daddy used to tell me, there's always somebody out there bigger, better, meaner, and faster. He also told me he'd never build a reputation you might have to defend because there's always somebody out there looking for a shot at the title. But I'm going to tell you right now, the devil that roams this earth is bigger and badder and meaner and tougher and stronger and a whole lot more sinister than what we'll ever think about being. And the only way we're going to keep him out of our lives is to have the backup that we need in our lives, and that is my Savior. Remind him of it, folks. Every time you get down, every time God doesn't feel first, remind the devil of the butt whooping he took one day after Jesus was raised from the dead. A man that laid in the dead for dead in the ground three days got up and whooped your butt. Boy, you think I need you think I'm afraid of you? That same man lives right here. Jesus Christ said we will do things just as he did and even greater. So when he got to go to hell and take the keys from the devil, guess what, man? You got a copy. It's your choice. You get to choose whether or not you go to hell. He gave us that option. It's either accept Christ, surrender to God, put him first, or burn in hell. I don't know why everybody says, I don't even know why you'd have to go to school. It's not really all that hard.
What is so difficult about understanding that if you don't give God everything, you're going to lose it all? My wife was talking to me earlier. Was it? No, maybe it was Jr. talking about building idols. Me and my wife have had that conversation before. Guys, it doesn't have to be a great big fake gold bull for you to be putting it in in front of God. You think man-made idols aren't out there every day? Turn your TV on on Sunday and see how many man-made idols are out there. Most of us carry a man-made idol around in our pocket with us. Whether it becomes an idol is up to you or not. It can also be a pretty cool tool to use in the kingdom of God, too. It can also be used to do God's work. Everything that the devil does to us, Jesus has something just the opposite that we can use against him. I say we take everything that the devil uses for bad and turn it into something we can use for good. Ain't nothing in the world better than screaming praise God at a football game, right? Kind of hard to hear over the crowd sometimes, but you'll find four or five around you that'll listen. I would actually enjoy the day that I get a phone call from the Wiley Police Department about my brother Ken over here who had to be escorted out of Walmart for standing on the countertop preaching. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Problem is, is he's probably not going to be able to call me to come get him. We are probably going to have to call our wives to come get us. But I have no doubt in my mind that my church will come up with some kind of bail. When it comes to God... The difference between God and people, I'm going to tell you right now, always ask for forgiveness from people before you ask for permission from people. You got your permission. How can you say, I've been praying about whether or not God wants me to go out in the public and preach the word of God? He, he told you to in every page of this book, in every letter, in every word. If you think God doesn't want you out doing God's work, jump in there and read some of them red letters. That's all them red letters were about. I said something was in the Bible. Ken's going to back me up to you. Watch him. <laughs> yep, that's all he needs. Who gave you permission to come stand in this building and talk about God? You just said it. Do you have permission to talk about God? Yes. Who'd you get permission from? God. I like it. I think it would hold up in any courtroom in the United States. At least it's supposed to. Yeah. Would you, would you like to swear, sir, can you raise your right hand, put your hand on the Bible? I brought my own. Thank you. <laughs> I don't need yours. I don't even know what's in there. Stop letting the devil tell you who you are. Stop letting the devil tell you what you can do. Stop letting the devil tell you where you can go. Stop letting the devil tell you whether or not your marriage can work. Stop letting the devil tell you whether or not this job is for you. 
Stop letting the devil tell you when and where is the time to go to war. Because I'm telling you right now, if you are out and you have God with you and the devil shows his face, he's not looking to pat you on the back. If you are with God and you are doing something bad, something with God that is strong enough with God that the devil shows his face there at the same time, then you are on the, the brink of a breakthrough and I promise you the devil is there to stop it. And all you have to do, guys, this is the best part about it. All you have to do is step back and let your slack handle it. Because Jesus said, I'll be your slack. Because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, if he's living in me and he's walking with me all the time and the devil shows his head, what do I have to fear? The Word of God says, if I just call upon the name of Jesus, the devil has to flee. Guys, I want the devil, when he looks at you, to say, ooh, we ain't messing around with that, because that's Jesus. Saw a, a pretty good celebration of life yesterday. I really enjoyed it, and they were talking about how this is who that lady was. When y'all have my funeral, I want y'all to remember Jesus. I don't want y'all to remember <clears throat> what I said, what I didn't say, how I said it, when I said it. I want y'all to remember, man, all he did was talk about Jesus. All he did was want to love on Jesus. And it's not that hard. It's not that hard to do. It's hard to keep doing. Because just like J.R. said this morning, there's going to be that Christian that's been a Christian and been saved and been working with the Lord for 25 years, and he's going to come up to you and say, yeah, I know you just now saved. You're all on fire. You're all running around, but just wait. You remember when Peter told Jesus that he would never let it happen, that it was never going to happen? What did Jesus say to his own disciple? He said, get behind me, Satan because you're trying to stop what my Father has put in store for me. So what happens when the devil comes to you lying to you like that? What happens when, when, when somebody you know comes up and says, yeah, sure, you're on fire right now, but just wait till a little while. Wait till it gets rough. Wait till your family gets sick. Look them straight in their eyes and say, get behind me, Satan. You can be down in it all you want to, man, but as for me, I'm going to choose not to put Jesus in my pocket and carry him around with me like a weapon. I'm going to wear him on a T-shirt. I'm going to wear him on my heart. I'm going to wear him on my lips. I'm going to wear him in my eyes, and I'm sure going to have him in my ears because if you're one of God's people and you're going to talk to me that way, yeah, I need some Jesus earmuffs because everything that – see, that's the thing, folks. When you have the Holy Ghost sitting upon you, and you let the world run through the Spirit before it comes to you, then everything gets filtered off of it. And I'm going to tell you something, man. There ain't nothing like some uncut Jesus. I like my Jesus uncut. I like my Jesus unwatered down. And I am not going to water down my Jesus because you can't handle him at 110 proof. So get ready because it's coming. The devil wants to pick a fight. I've got the guy who already holds the title. I'm going to be a fight promoter. 
Because I'm going to tell the devil, you pick the place, you pick the time, and he'll be there. Because that's what my God told me. Guys, the devil's already gone toe-to-toe with Jesus, and Jesus laid his own stuff on him every time. All he had to say was, get behind me. Instead, he used the word of God just like he, man, come on. Jesus used the word of God when he was being tempted by the devil to show you how to do it. Thy word I have hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. That doesn't mean that you have to be able to look at her, spit out John 10, 10. I mean, I know some of you can do it, but that's not what hiding the word in your heart is. I don't have, I love my wife and she is a big part of my life, but I don't have everything about her memorized. But I know everything about her. And when I need to pull it up, I can pull it up. There's a love there. There's a respect there. Same way with God. The good thing about it is, is I know what my God does when I don't think he's working. That's when the real stuff happens. Because I'm going to be honest with you, us and our flesh, we're not capable of understanding what goes on around us. How many people in here, what, what do you think you would do if Jesus walked in and said, peace be with you, like he did the disciples? Yeah, I'm telling you, I'd probably fall over dead right here with a heart attack. I was going to say, baby, you'd go to cooking. I promise you, you'd go to cooking. And I know what I would do. I would like to think that I would be like, Jesus, I'm here. Let's go. Let's talk battle plans. But I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like Mary. I'm going to sit at his feet and ball. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys, man. That's what, when I get mad, used to, when I got mad, I hit. When I got frustrated, I hit. When I got upset about something, I hit. Violence was the only way that I knew something. And God said, you know what? We're going to take that violence and we're going to turn it to emotion. And you couldn't control your violence, so we're going to see how you control this emotion. So now when I get mad, I ball. Now when I get upset, I ball. When I get frustrated, I ball. When I look at my wife, I ball. When I look at everything God's given me, I ball. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I am. I'm just, I am. My daughter says I am a big old marshmallow-filled grizzly bear. Because I used to tell her all the time. My daddy always said, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. And she'll go, <laughs> cream-filled, and tickle me. You know what that does to me? It upsets me because I'm a man, right? Nobody go call me that. It makes me feel good because for one time, Finally, after all these years, my daughter finally sees the tenderness in me. My, fi- my daughter finally sees not just her protector, but somebody that she can confide in, somebody that she can love on, somebody that knows when she needs a hug, I will be there to hold her. Guys, to me, that's, that's, you want to talk about living kingdom life, man. How much better could it get where you could actually have time and energy to be there for everybody who actually needed you? That's what Jesus did. 
Man, come on. How many people in here, after dealing with their family for a week and uh, this past week and stuff, feel like they're just completely exhausted and they don't know what to do? I mean, y'all better get y'all's hands up. Don't be standing. You're going to lie to me in church. It gave her husband some time to sit at home and contemplate on where his life was. It gave, his, gave her husband time to lean on God a little bit. What? Don't sit over and mouth at me. What? We'll say something. Oh. And what I figured out was, is no matter what my circumstances are, whether I'm alone, whether I'm in a room full of people, God doesn't change. Jesus in me doesn't change. Even if you get upset, guess what? Jesus is still there, but he's watching. That's the bad part. That's where the guilt comes in. Yes, my dear, what would you like to say? Well, I'm not done preaching, but yeah. God, I love her so much. I thank you every day for giving her to me, Father. Well, I didn't know you was coming all up here. Let me finish preaching. Go sit down and get you. Good Lord have mercy. What did Paul, where's that? Somebody read that scripture. Paul said it. What did he say? Women should be. Yeah, I can do all things. You cross you shake this feet. Listen, back on, back on the serious. I'm bad at it. But how many of y'all really feel like that this whole next week you can keep Jesus front and center no matter what happens in your life? Y'all want to take a vow with me that you will at least try? I am going to do, come on, raise your hand if you feel like it. I'm going to do my absolute best to put Jesus front and center in my life this week. If I fail, guess what? God will forgive me. But that means the next time, it's going to be that much easier to do. Well, they say it takes 14 days just or 15 times, 21 days to start a habit. That's you, brother? You need to go? Everything you do this week, I want you to put God in front of it. Every decision you have to make, I want you to put put it through. I want you to run it through a Jesus filter first. Guys, every time you walk in the door from work, I want you to use that time to filter yourself. The drive home is a filter for you to run your attitude through Jesus before you get home. Wives, when your husband's on the way home this week, or whether you're on your way, I'm not saying wives, all they do is sit at home. When you're on your way home from work this week, I would like for you to run your attitude through Jesus. Whether you're at home, whether you're working. That way, if he's ready when you when, when he walks through the door and you're ready, you're, if you're ready when, she, when he walks through the door, or vice versa, think about how much better it will be. If you're going to stay at home with your kids all day long and you run your thoughts through a Jesus filter first, what's your day going to be like with your children? Yeah. 
because you're not going to get frustrated as bad. I'm going to say you're not going to get frustrated. I've been a parent and I know how that goes. Everything you do, before you get upset at work when somebody said something about, bad about you, think about what they did to Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ, no? What did they do to the disciple? How many of y'all been hung upside down for preaching the word of God? Then don't gripe. How many of you have been beheaded for preaching the word of God? Then don't gripe about your job. How many of you have been run out of town, chased and been threatened, your, your life threatened in every town you go to for doing what you've been called to do? How many of y'all had that happen? Then don't gripe about your job. Run your job through Jesus. It says, I can do all things. So let's do all things the way God wants all things done, and that is for him. I'm going to have to see if I can come up with something, a little rock or a little coin or something to carry in my pocket that says Jesus filter, where every time I get upset, I can rub it. I rub a hole in it, brother. <laughs> I've got a little one. He held up a little Bible to rub on. I said, that's paper. I'll rub a hole in it, I promise you. I've got one that I keep in. i got a little New Testament like that that I keep in my lunchbox at work, and, man, it is ready. Oh, it's ready. It's a busted up little battle sword is what it is. Do your best this week to try to do everything that you do by putting I'm wearing the right one, right? Oh, no, I'm not wearing God. I'm not wearing my God first shirt. Yeah, you think you ain't in a war? Stop fighting for a minute and see what happens to you. Stop praising God for a second and see what happens to you. Stop praying for a second and see what happens to you. Because trust me, man, the devil is standing right outside. Here's the thing. J.R. was talking about, I don't know, what, how many of y'all understood what J.R. was talking about this morning when he said, I can't stand that song? That little song they taught you in, in, in high school, Annie knows it. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let the devil. Let me tell you something. If you're walking around this town with a light that the devil, with this little light of mine that the devil can go and blow out, you need to relight your fire. And you need to kindle your fire. And you need to take care of your fire. Because I'm going to ask you a question. When you got a real good bonfire, Texas, going on in the backyard and the wind blows harder, Bark, you're a fireman. What happens when you have a bad fire and the wind starts blowing hard? It gets hotter and bigger and badder and meaner and harder to control. That's what should happen to your fire when the devil blows on it. It should become an out-of-control wildfire that leaves hell in ashes. Everything that the devil tries to do on this earth can be stopped by Christians who let their light shine. Because I'm going to tell you something. The devil cannot go where the Lord's light shines, right? So how big a circle of light do you think with us being in here is surrounding this church right now? If he can't come into the light, if you don't want people in your wire at night, what do you do to your perimeter? You expand the perimeter to keep people to have more room to fight. Am I correct? So what happens when the devil is creeping right around your little fire? Blow on it. Big it bigger. 
Because the bigger the light shines, the further the devil has to get from you. And where does he? Where does God say he will put that stuff? As far as the east is from me. Tell you something, man. When you get off a of dope, you build that fire so strong that dope turns to ash when it gets close to you. You t- you burn that fire so hot that when cancer tries to get on you, or adultery tries to get on you, or pornography tries to get on you, or your temper tries to get on you, that your fire for God burns so hot that it turns to ash and serves nobody any good. Stop looking back. You want to know what looking back gets you? Ask Lot. Lot Lot lost a wife because she couldn't. She had to look one more time at where she loved. Don't Don't get turned to salt. Go hide in the mountain that is God. I said it last week, and I'm going to remind you again this week. When you tear down a stronghold of hell, you better put a bigger stronghold of heaven in it because the devil's coming back with bigger, better, meaner demons than what he was here with before to see if that house is in order. It better be in order and locked up with the Word of God is what it better be because if not, he's going to take up making home again. Thank you for joining us today. If you have prayer requests or need to contact us, please email us at bikerchurchwileytexas at gmail.com or call 214-283-0620. Please send all written correspondence to 303 Highway 78, Suite 103, Wiley, Texas 75098. And if you wish to make a donation, please make all checks payable to PSMM. God bless you and have a great day.